Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome to No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. If you would like to follow us on social media, we're at No Nonsense Pod on Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to or follow the show wherever you're listening for easier and faster access to all of our episodes. Guys, it is getting to, and this isn't to say that we don't have anything to talk about today, because we do for today, but we're getting to sort of slim pickings in terms of topics and discussion points. Yeah, I, I think we're there. I, I honestly don't even remember the last last thing we talked about. I think we talked about Jonathan Joseph uh, and some free agency talk. Uh, we also talked a little bit about the draft with, with Mike Herndon, so that was cool. But now it's to the point where... I'm not sure what to talk about uh, yeah. because there really aren't a lot of rumors in terms of free agents. Uh, the clowny rumors have, have just completely stopped. They're they're dead. They're dead. So we can't really talk about that. But we still can talk about the team and what the season is going to be like and our thoughts about the players and, and the coaches and stuff like that. And not to undersell it or anything or oversell it, I guess, but we're going to have some uh... – people on the podcast some people that you'll yeah. know some people that y'all haven't heard before and we're gonna try to do some new things and i mean if you've ever listened to me talk you know that i can get into an argument about anything or we, we can go as in-depth <laughs> as we want to so worst case scenario we'll break down offensive linemen fundamentals and we can really get into the nitty-gritty of it but as for today there is still some stuff that we need to talk about and cover so on on twitter Earlier this week, or I think maybe even last week, we teased that we were going to have a fun announcement in this podcast. We are going to get to that after the first ad break, so so be sure to stay tuned for that. Um, but first, and, and on what you were just saying, Will, you know, I think it's a temptation for people who cover sports to, when there's nothing to talk about, devolve into what we kind of stand against, the nonsense, the, you know, LeBron versus Michael Jordan conversations, that sort of thing. And like you were saying, Will, I think what we want to do is have guests on, have intelligent discussions so that we are not going to just sit around and be like, you know, giving grades or, or giving, you know, pointless lists. Yeah, I mean, at least for me, my goal in this whole thing is I, I would rather everybody listen and leave the podcast with more information than they came in with. Whether that's you know us talking about why we think certain moves work or why certain rumors make sense beyond the surface level, or if it's us talking about you know rookies versus veterans or, or whatever it is. Like I would rather whoever's listening walk away more intelligent than they came in if we can ever if we can do that. Yeah, and and there's still things to break down. Like we could we, we could break down uh, other teams around the league. We can break down other players ar- yeah. ar- around the league, and kind of compare them to the Titans uh, and their players and the state of the roster. Or we can also have you know the quarterback thing with Tannehill, which we haven't had. We had it with we had it with Mariota several times, but uh, Tannehill is the guy now, and the quarterback landscape around the NFL has has changed dramatically over the last year at least since the last time we had that discussion. So there's definitely still content uh, that we will put out there. 
Yeah, and and I think we're going to uh, we're going to do that. What what Matthias is talking about is is we did a thing earlier this year where we ranked Marcus Mariota versus the other starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and we've yet to do that with Tannehill. We're going to because I think that's a fun exercise. But guys, what we're going to talk about first today is something that we haven't gotten a chance to hit on because we took last week off, and that's the schedule. Uh, the, the Titans 2020 schedule, obviously perhaps a little tentative because of the coronavirus. Um, it came out last week, and so let's open the discussion by simply asking what stands out most to you guys about this thing? Because I have mine, and I'll give them in a second, but I want to hear from you guys first. Um, I'm not sure exactly what stands out. In At the initial glance, I was like, okay, it's kind of tough, but at the same time, it's manageable. Uh, but now that I kind of look at it, uh, I look more at it, I'm a little concerned about the start of the season, particularly the first six weeks, uh, because we have at Denver, which Will is probably going to talk about that. It is, yep. It sucks. It sucks playing in Denver. <laughs> the first couple of weeks of the season, and and that's our opener, and it's the the late night Monday night game, which I don't know. The Broncos always seem to win that game, it does, and it always seems to be against the Raiders, uh, but now it's us. But they always seem to to play well. Then we jump in a division game against the Jaguars. Should be it's a home game, so it shouldn't be that difficult. But then you have the Vikings, you have the Steelers, you have the Bills, and you have the Texans, all in four consecutive weeks. Granted, three of those are at home, but. We're kind of notable, notable slow starters as a team, especially over the past couple of seasons, and that gives me a little bit of pause in terms of how you know the season is actually going to start out for us. So yeah, Matias kind of talked about it a second ago. You don't you don't get to go to Denver in the first few weeks of the season and win. It just doesn't happen. I think in the last. 35 or 36 games there's only been two occasions where where denver has lost at home in the first two weeks of the season really yeah it's it's because the altitude yeah the altitude is i believe the number is mm, now i want to say 19 and 2 but i think it's more than that i think it's i think it's more much more than that but um the reason that is at least what makes the most sense is because NFL teams don't get real conditioning and they don't really get into shape until two or three weeks into the season. If you take a team like the Titans and you send them to somewhere that's a mile above sea level and the air is thinner, you've got guys who just sat out, you know, the fourth game of the preseason who maybe played a half of football in the last three weeks or so, and you're making them play a full 60 minute game you know, much harder, much more intense. Everything's real and it matters. And so you've got them doing that with basically no legs under them. So you get all these tight games and some of them, you know, people kind of excuse them away. Like they, I think the last win they had there was uh, some, something fluky happened that they won. But the reason that happens is because the other teams are more tired than the Broncos. So, you know, the, the best thing in all this for the the Titans and the Broncos in week one is that there's not going to be an extent, or at least we don't think there's going to be an extended like preseason and OTA and a normal schedule like that. So there is a chance that the players who should be training there and working there and, you know, integral to their success aren't up to full speed as well. Um, But I think we've talked a lot about the Broncos game. Uh, Something I like that I don't think a lot of people have talked about is how many cold weather teams the Titans get in Nashville in that middle part of the schedule. Like you get the Steelers and you get the Bills who are two colder weather teams. You don't have to go there and you don't have to play them in December when they're kind of in their element. Um, Then you also get uh, the Bears at home too. And Mm -hmm. you get them in week nine, which is like – it's not it's not the end of the season, but by week nine, I fully expect them to be a two and six or two and seven team that kind of feels down and out, and they've kind of got a lame duck head coach, and they just made a last ditch effort to, effort to fix quarterback. It feels like right around Thanksgiving and you know early November is where they start to break down. So I, I'm I'm just going to assume that'll happen again, which is another good thing. So you know. As tough as it is to go and play northern teams, the Titans, I don't believe, have to go to the West Coast, do they? I don't know. No, I don't. I don't. don't. I think, no. I think the, the stat is the farthest they have to go from Nashville is Denver. So, like, 
there there is a big difference in going to the the west coast they've they've done studies to where people think that if you go and play on the west coast or east coast either way it's bad if you travel cross country but apparently it has more to do with your sleep cycle and i, I don't want to get into that a bunch here but that kind of goes to say that if you take a team and you send them to the West Coast and it's more than a time zone or two away, it affects them on a physical level similar to what you get when you play the Broncos. And history has shown that you have a much worse chance of winning there than you do at home. So the Titans don't have any of those games on the schedule and they don't have to go to London. So that those are all positives on a kind of boring schedule. I'll, I'll say this about the Broncos game. It starts brutally late. I mean, Matias, you're far east coast, and it's going to start at like 10, 15 p.m. where you are. Yeah, but I always love that second Monday night game in the first week of the season. I actually wish they would do that more often throughout the seasons because I don't mind. I go to sleep late anyway. Like, I'll be up until 2 a.m., no problem. So for me, that's fine, and I especially like it. Uh, now that the Titans are actually going to be playing in it, and I'll be I'll be very tuned in. Uh, hopefully, I won't get too tired by the end of it. What's a game that you look at now, and it's like the Titans are going to beat the ever living fill in the blank out of this team? I think it could be the Chicago home game. I think it could be the Detroit home game, or of course the Jacksonville home game. Yeah, I was going to say Detroit or Cleveland. I think they're going to wreck Cleveland again, especially at home this time. I know they like we're going to think like they'll be the post-hype team. Like they had the hype last year. We came in at week 1, we stomped them and then they ended up having a pretty terrible season. And now they got a couple new pieces. Maybe Baker's going to be a little better, but I think we're going to destroy them again. I think it's going to be the Colts game, like the for the Week Ten Colts game. Like you get to play a Colts team that's, you know, led by Philip Rivers, quote unquote led, but it's later in the season, so he's going to be more tired, more worn down. T. Y. Hilton is thirty-one years old and hadn't been healthy in a few years, so you probably aren't going to get. You might not even get him at all, but you're probably going to get a worse version of him. It's also a Titans team that doesn't have that big monkey on the back that they're like, we can't beat the Colts. Like they don't think like that anymore. Like they just beat them and they just went to the AFC championship game. So, you know, for a lot of these guys, they're, they're either one and one against them or they've never played them before. And, you know, for Ryan Tannehill, like, I mean, he's not afraid of them at all. He just went and put a dagger in him with a Khalif Raymond, you know, fake screen pass. So like, I, I don't know. I think that's going to be a fun game to watch because I think, the Titans fans will be so excited if we're if everybody's in the stadium. I think the fans will be so like ravenous to see the Colts lose in Nashville for the first time in forever that that plus a team that is not the sum of its parts and its parts aren't that good in Indianapolis, like I, I think that's just gonna be a brutal beatdown for them. That's so, a thir- Thursday night game, right? Correct. On a short yeah, week at home, which to... never yeah. I was about to say how much I love the fact that they're not playing Jacksonville on Thursday night. I don't understand why the NFL has wanted that for as many years as they have. That I mean, that's been a institution and an institution since like 2013 or 14, and, and I've never understood why. Like, obviously, at one point they both stunk, and then the Jags were good and the Titans weren't all that good, and now the Titans are good and the Jaguars stink. This may be a hot take, but uh, I love the home Thursday night games against Jacksonville because for me, every time, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because for me, it's like I get to go to the game and I'm like, wow, I'm gonna watch the Jaguars get murdered, and that's exactly what happens. And it's like clockwork, and everybody in the stands is ready for it. And as soon as there's a long Derrick Henry run, the game is basically over, and everybody's just screaming in the stand. I mean, some of the most fun moments as a Titans fan have happened on Thursday night games versus the Jaguars, where the Titans are up by 30 at halftime, or you know, you get the Derrick Henry four touchdown game, or you get the oh he does it again uh, game last year, like where you score three touchdowns in like the span of like six minutes or something. Like j- j- that was crazy. Yeah, well, just and on that on that point, Will, before we get on to talking more about the schedule, 
you know, you, the stark contrast last year in the first Jacksonville game for the Titans in the second one. The first game, it was brutal. Mariota played terribly. That was the Jameel Douglas wrecked by Calais Campbell game. It was terrible. And then the total opposite happened when they came to Nashville because the Titans controlled that game from start to finish, and it was a beatdown the other way. Yeah, I'm not expecting a performance like that Thursday night game last year in any any game this year, really. That can't happen. Oh, I think it's going to happen at least once. I don't know who against, but with Mike Vrabel as your head coach, and I like Mike Vrabel, but there's going to be a dud I, somewhere. I think I'm... Yeah, I think it's going to be week three against the Vikings. That's my that's my pick. But we'll see. I could see it being Pittsburgh. I could see it being Not Buffalo at home, though. It, it, Buffalo feels like Mike Vrabel's kryptonite. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, it's two, Nick right? Williams play. Yeah, they're 0-2, they're and it's like close games that just you just feel like you get kicked below the belt when it's over. Like, you feel dirty walking out of the stadium or watching on TV. I mean, the Nick Williams catch, which people forget, the Titans had the lead. Like, the Titans had the lead. Josh Allen drove kind of a short field, and they kicked a field goal to win. Like, it, it's not like he dropped a catch that would have put him ahead. Like the Titans dug themselves out of that and ended up like being in the lead. Like that's, that's just what it's like. It's, I mean, it's these games that you remember for all the wrong reasons. And like, I can't even tell you anything about uh, the, the last Buffalo Bills game. And I was there except for the fact that I remember Delaney Walker caught what in my head was his last catch as a Tennessee Titans player uh, in that game, which I, I don't know I what happened. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I mean, also, oh, oh I, that was the game that Mario, I think, I think that was Mariota's worst game of the season, in my opinion. The Bills game? No, for me, no, am for I getting it, it confused with the Colts? Yeah, yeah, sorry, I got him confused. Your, uh, this is funny, because I was actually just watching this game, and this may be why I was thinking about our Cobalt helmets earlier, but, uh, the, uh, you remember how mad everybody was that, uh, Mariota threw the ball to AJ Brown when the clock was winding down, and everybody was like, yeah. "Oh, if he over!" Isn't that who he threw it to? Is he? Th- and well, it, he threw was- a slant to AJ, and AJ couldn't haul it in. Yeah, like it hit him. It hit him like on the hands, like outstretched hands, and he couldn't get it in. But everybody was mad he didn't throw it to Corey Davis because Corey Davis was wide open on the backside of the play. Oh like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, can you imagine in the year 2020 saying you should have thrown the ball? You shouldn't have thrown the ball to AJ <laughs> yeah. Brown in the year where he set rookie efficiency records in yards after the catch. Like, I mean. Not that that was ahead. the right call or anything, but it's like I was watching that game the other day, and I was like, "That's crazy that that's how it like that's the guy who kind of didn't put the team on his back in that moment." But anyway, um, another game I want to talk about on the schedule is this Week 16 Sunday Night Football game against Green Bay. A couple things about that. First, it's the first time the Titans have been scheduled for a Sunday Night Football game since 2009. Oh my god! They they had one t- two years ago, but they got flexed. This is the first time that before the season, NBC has said we want the Titans. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to see the Lafleur Bowl? You know, it's going to be just a beautiful air raid offense I, game. I think this game is going to be like fifteen to twelve. It's going to suck. It's absolutely going to suck. Oh, really? I, La- I, oh, you think it's going to be it? Well, no, I just think I think. Who's the best player on the Packers defense? Like the the Smith brothers are, are good Clark. edge rushers. They're brothers? Kenny well, no, 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 no. They're just. I guess Kenny Clark's good too. But <laughs> the Smith brothers. I don't think they're brothers. No, they're no, not. They're not. They're not. <laughs> like the best. <Baxter. laughs> yeah, yeah. Preston and Zadarius. Oh, uh, what about uh, Zaire Alexander? Jair. Yeah, yeah I, I mean he's he's fine. Jair, like, excuse me. Yeah, they're like they're not very good. Um, at least defensive backs wise. So like in my head after see like the only teams the Titans really struggle with, especially last year were the teams that could go one-on-one with AJ Brown and take him away. Like the saints did with Marshawn Lattimore. Like if you have an elite corner, that scares me. But I mean, how many great pass rushers did the Titans face? Like, I mean, they had to face Justin Houston who had 10 sacks or whatever. And he, you know, he wasn't great, but they also had to face like, 
the Bills pass rush and the Jaguars pass rush and Max Crosby who had like a bunch of, who had like 10 sacks or something like they faced a lot of really good edge rushers and it just didn't really affect them in the end because you can't keep those guys on the field when you're getting the ball run down your throat so for a team that's built from the edges back like Green Bay is like to me that just screams a team that's going to get absolutely like run over like but you know may, maybe not because the styles are so similar that they know what to expect but I, I don't know. I just don't see any way that the way that roster is constructed right now that they'll be – I don't know. I don't even know if Aaron Rodgers will be playing there by the end of the season. I just think it's going to be boring. Like I think LaFleur is going to want to out Titans the Titans. And see, he's going to he's going to give A.J. Dillon the ball like 20 times. And it's going to be disgusting. But the Titans are fun to watch. That's, like, that's the thing is it's like, you know, yeah, like you get – some games like you do in the playoffs where it's a whole bunch of like the new England game was not fun to watch, but the Ravens game was fun to watch. Like mm-hmm. you got the John new Smith touchdown catch. You've got, uh, AJ Brown on third down, like making people miss and getting a first down. You've got Tannehill running like the fake shovel option quarterback keep for a touchdown. You've got Khalif Raymond's big 50 or two. Like th- there's some really fun moments with this Titans offense now off of play action. That's really fun to watch. But like the Packers, I do agree. It's going to be like run, 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 throw the ball to Devonte, run, 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 throw the ball to the ball. Like that, that is going to be terrible to watch because they picked Jordan love instead of drafting a receiver. <laughs> I'm looking at their roster. I, they have no one to throw the ball to. By the way, if uh, just, this is a side note for all fans out there. If there is a way that Aaron Rodgers needs to miss this game and Jordan loves Jordan Love plays mm-hmm. and the Titans don't absolutely destroy him, I, I will be very sad on this podcast. <laughs> if they lose to Jordan Love, you have to retire. If they lose to Jordan Love, like I won't do anything crazy because that's how you end up doing dumb stuff online. But I will be furious and I will scream about how he's still not good and it'll be a very bad look, a very bad petty day for me. It, yeah, it would so, be the same if Rashawn Garrett gets a sack in that game. I think I'd just have to shut shut down <laughs> the account. <laughs> I mean, but real quick, I mean, on Rashawn Gary, we we'll go back and listen to the Titan-sized podcast. We were on that for a while. Um, but, so as, as we close out the schedule discussion, I'll pose this question. We kind of already hinted at it, but just to kind of set it in stone, game for the Titans you are most confident in and game you are – least confident in oh okay i'll start least confident i already said it i think it's the vikings game just because i think zimmer mike zimmer is a very good game planner and it's in minnesota and dalvin cook is just so good kirk cousins has been really good and i think that defense uh with a lot of the a lot of the pieces they've added uh, and they drafted very well too i think that could be a game where especially coming off of the jaguars game where we're probably going to wreck them I think we're probably going to be on a little emotional high, and then you walk into Minnesota, and and it could just it could go very wrong. Uh, in terms of games, I'm most confident in. I think it's the Browns one, man. I just I don't see it with them. I think they're all talk and and no no bark, just like they were last year. I think it's going to be the same thing. Uh, I mean. I hate to go chalk, but I mean, the game I'm most confident in is always going to be home versus Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. And so far, the game I'm going to be least confident in is I look at the schedule and I say, okay, what loss could upset the fan base for the longest? To me, that's week five versus the Bills. You know, I could see them starting out two and two or three and one, maybe, and then everybody gets, you know, excited and the Buffalo Bills come in at like two and two or like with a worse record. They come in, beat the Titans, then all of a sudden it's five wins, and I can see all these graphics where they're doing the projected playoff charts like in like just like just as soon as August ends or September ends, and then all you see is like, oh, like by loss, by virtue of tiebreaker with the Buffalo Bills, the Titans aren't in the hunt and or like, you know, some stuff like that. Like in, in my head, that image is so clear already. So I'm going to say that's the one I'm least confident in. For me, most, most confident, confident is Jacksonville, Jacksonville at home. And, and I, for least confident, I'm going to agree with you, Matias, is that Minnesota, Minnesota game. game. I, think I think that's, that's going to be really tough for them. That just as someone, someone that knows the Titans, Titans really well, well, and all three of us do because we followed them, them forever. forever. I mean, I mean, that, that is, is the, the kind, kind of game, game that they pretty, pretty brutally, brutally lose, typically. 
Yeah, a, a team that just game plans very well, and you know they kind of know their opponent. Um, well, it's not like the well. Bills where they meet and potatoes you to yeah, death. Like they've, they've got, got a lot, lot of sparks, sparks on their team. Tajay Sharp revenge game. Oh, you're I didn't sure think about right. that. I completely bet, forgot. Bet he has a touchdown. Without oh, a doubt. Definitely. Where's Seth Roberts these days? God, probably with he's Buffalo. He's still in Baltimore. <laughs> no, he's in Carolina. Uh, he's in Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater. Poor that guy. could be an annual segment we do, which is where Seth Roberts now. <laughs> <laughs> How much he's still um, in the NFL? 48 okay, years old. We're going to take an ad break for 30 seconds. When we get back, we're going to tell you our, uh, our fun announcement that we teased on, uh, on social media. All right, we're back, and it's time to reveal the big announcement. And, you know, it's not a huge announcement. Nothing really breathtaking is happening. Um, but we're excited to announce that we have released a line of no-nonsense podcast gear. Um apparel uh it's it's good stuff i think matthias you and i have both gotten one of the t-shirts your your thoughts i'm literally wearing the shirt right now and it's very comfortable i must say myself and i really like the variety that we have uh on the store uh you can pretty much get whatever you want uh the one i have right now is like a nice little light blue and it has our podcast logo on it uh and it's very soft Honestly, like I really like this shirt. I'm gonna wear it pretty often. Yeah, and that and that's the thing I want to say is this is all good stuff. This isn't junk. Like we're not selling you, you know, like the dollar T-shirt you get for field day in the fifth grade. Like this is it's all soft. It's all nice stuff, and I think you're all gonna like it. Uh, Will, you were really uh, interested in the hoodie. I remember. Yeah, so I'm I'm a pretty big hoodie guy. Like I, I spend a lot of time either at football games for high school or you know college or, or NFL. You know, hopefully we get to do that this year. But I mean, I'm always hoodie and shirt. So or hoodie and uh, shorts. <laughs> Sorry, not hoodie and shirt. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll probably get two of those. I've been looking at that short sleeve T-shirt too, just because. I really like I, I need more gym shirts like I like to go through gym shirts and don't like to wear the same ones every day if I can help it. So usually what happens is this time of year, my old gym shirts become my football shirts and I get new gym shirts just because I like those more. So I will probably have one or two of these that go with me to the gym. So, yeah. And, and like Matias was saying, we've got a pretty wide array. We've got a short sleeve T-shirt. We actually multiple short sleeve T-shirts, multiple long sleeve T-shirts. We've got multiple hoodie designs. We've got like an actual hoodie. We've got kind of like the t-shirt style hoodie uh there's a ball cap that's actually out of stock right now the supplier we use uh but when when that's back that'll look cool uh we also have a t-shirt matthias that you really like uh that uses our catchphrase yes 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 i cannot wait to get this one in my hands so the one i have right now says no nonsense podcast and it has the tristar logo on top it's nice but there's another one that has the catchphrase stop the nonsense on it and it is perfect because it really applies to any situation like they don't even they wouldn't even know it's from a podcast they'll just be like oh yeah i agree with that yeah you gotta stop the nonsense especially in these times and and that's the thing too like i think a lot of people when they make you know apparel or, or gear for their shows or their youtube channels or whatever they're like trying to turn people into walking advertisements like I think our goal was just to make stuff that looked cool and that looks good. And like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't even have our podcast name on it that just has the, the TriStar logo on it. Yeah, you could use yeah. it anywhere, really. I, I was going to say, those are, like, those are really cool. Like the, There's the baseball shirt, which I really like, which I may end up getting that. T- I'm, I'm just going to buy any, everything we have. Um, <laughs> but like I, I may get that one, too, just because I like the way it looks. It's kind of that classic like gray on dark blue, like... To, uh, it's it's really good y'all will check it out but that's that one looks really good like just in terms of a shirt that i know i would wear because i always roll up my sleeves like that one and then uh there's one that you, it doesn't come up this way you have to pull it up that way but if you get the gray like tri-star uh long sleeve shirt that one looks really cool like i I don't know. I, I'm going to stop talking about all the ones I'm going to buy, and I'm just going to mm. buy them, and like I'll show them later <laughs> because I feel like I'm just going to go through everything and talk about it. I just saw the gray long sleeve one. That one looks, it looks nice. Dope, huh? Yeah, like, it, I like that one. Look. 
So if you want to get your hands on some no-nonsense podcast gear or and take a look at all we have to offer, you can go to shop.spreadshirt.com slash no-nonsense pod. One more time, shop.spreadshirt.com slash no-nonsense pod. And we'll have links pinned to Twitter and Facebook, so you'll be able to access that very easily. But, but, but um, give it a try. Uh, you know, It's all pretty affordable. It's all certainly competitive with other uh, merchandise you know we have to obviously we're doing this to uh you know help out our show and 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 make a little money on the side but it's still affordable and we're not hoodwinking anybody so uh go go check it all out uh as we move on from that though there's two more topics i have down for us to talk about one of them is logan ryan uh i forget which of you said you wanted to talk about logan uh, he kind of made his post after the Jonathan Joseph signing that I'm not going to the Titans. And then there was this like report that came out that he was going to go to the Jets, but like no one ever verified it. And then Logan was like, yeah, that's not happening, at least not yet. So just sort of general thoughts, guys, on maybe Logan Ryan's time with the Titans and maybe why they looked another direction or in maybe the Titans case, multiple other directions with Fulton and Joseph. I think it's impossible to say that Logan Ryan was anything short of a great Titan. He completely like fortified the defensive back end after a time where we struggled so much, so much in the secondary. I mean, after the likes of Parrish, Cox, uh, Valentino, Blake, the guys we'd love to name drop so much on this podcast, uh, we were just coming coming off of a dark time in the secondary, and Logan Ryan was kind of the main guy that came in and just fortified it all. And in addition to that, he was so active in the community community. He was so active in the locker room and he really was one of the best Titans we've had over the past decade. I don't think anyone can really dispute that, but the NFL is a business. He was getting older. He was more expensive than drafting a cornerback and it was just the logical decision from the front office to make that decision. But it doesn't it doesn't mean that he wasn't a really, really valuable Titan uh, during his time. Yeah, for a long time, it felt like there were no free agents the Titans could sign that would work out. It just felt like it was doomed to fail. Then, you know, you get a Nate Washington once every five years. But Really, in the last decade or so, we've seen guys like, not even a decade, shorter than that, we've seen guys like Delaney Walker, uh, we've seen Brian Arakpo, we've seen guys, you know, Malcolm Butler now, but really, to me, the the first guy to have several good years and string them together and then leave the Titans with good years left in the tank is Logan Ryan. He, I mean... It's hard to say what he did for the culture inside the locker room because you don't see that change on a daily basis. You can't quantify that with stats. But you look at where it is now after he's left and where it was when he got there, and it is markedly different. And, you know, the defensive backs have a lot more swagger. You know, I don't love that word because, again, like it's hard to quantify and everybody's at swagger until they get 400 yards thrown against them. I don't know. Well, I think these guys have 10 swagger points. There, I mean, there you go. <laughs> but, like, according I, to our friends at Pro Football Focus. Yeah, like, of, of course. Like, I think, again, not a quantifiable measurement, but I will pay $59 a year what? just to figure out what their swagger points are. Is that a thing? I'm sorry. Swagger that, points? No. Swagger points? No. <laughs> no, no. Okay, because that's something they would come up with. That's some sort of gimmick. <laughs> we would see. It's uh, it's right by, like, pressures per step, which is uh, another <laughs> stat they have for edge rushers. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting off topic, but, I mean, to me, you look at everything that Logan Ryan did, and, like, he was never a great corner outside versus like speed receivers like that. He was by no means an all pro when he came in or anything close to that. That's not what he was, but he had a very specific skill set and he never was. Once he got his big check from the Titans, he wasn't like, I'm going to stop putting my nose in the run game. And, you know, I'm getting $10 million a year. I don't want to get kicked off the team or, anything, or I don't want to get cut or anything like that. Like he, you know, if he saw a pulling guard coming, he would take him on just like any other cornerback worth their mustard would like he 
he did the dirty work that you don't get to see, and then he got rewarded by being allowed to blitz, and he did you know outstanding work as a slot blitzer, and he he did well covering slot guys for a long time. Like the the defense we know at the Titans' peak over the last decade was probably 2018 and early 2019, and that that was really his kind of glory years where. You know, he was shutting people down from inside. He could blitz sometimes. Sometimes he could play outside. Like he could do enough of everything, and he knew exactly how he needed to do it to win to make that defense functional. And I just don't think you can have, you know, I don't think the Titans make the playoffs without him this year because of how well he played early. And I don't think they would have gotten close last year without him. So, you know. I, I have nothing but good memories of Logan Ryan. I, I hope he goes to the Jets and, you know, plays for Greg Williams and gets 10 sacks next year and gets paid a bunch of money. But, you know, I, I don't know if he will or not. But there there is, you know, I think all Titans fans should be very proud of what John Robinson was able to do when he signed Logan Ryan. And for him to be able to see through the veil of, you know, oh, it's just another ex-Patriots guy. He's going to bust. That That is not what happened. Logan Ryan has been outstanding, and I'm sure he will be great as long as his health allows and, you know, as long as he's used correctly wherever he goes. Yeah, I think you guys nailed it. And the key being extraordinarily valuable over the course of a three-year contract, certainly worth all the money. Uh, but now the value doesn't match the, the player. And I think they made the right choice going – well, they didn't really get younger with Jonathan Joseph, but saying let's just draft a corner in the second round and Christian Fulton and and maybe get a veteran guy in Jonathan Joseph for far, far, far cheaper and hope that works out, and I think that's probably their best bet. Yeah, I, I think they expect big things from Christian Fulton. Uh, they should. He's a, he's a really good – he was a really good prospect, and he's probably going to be a really solid cornerback at the next level. Uh, I think – I think the Chiefs game kind of exposed Logan Ryan and kind of I mean, I'm sure the front office front office had kind of had their minds made, but I think seeing the speed of the Chiefs offense kind of dismantle the entire secondary uh, and Logan Ryan being a part of that, I think it kind of like was a nail in the coffin in terms of bringing him back. Yeah, I mean, that that's that was tough to watch and I think there's also a part of it where, you know, I, I guess ideally he's he matches up with bigger receivers, but he doesn't really get those guys in the slot, and he's not quick enough to really take those guys on anymore. So if you're going to play teams like, you know, the Ravens, who run a lot of tight end sets, and they're really big, and their only receivers are fast, like speed receivers, there's really not a time you can get him on the field. You're either going three safeties or you're going with faster corners. And then if you play against the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, you need as much speed as you can out there, so much so that a linebacker may have to come off the field. So really the matchups and the way the league is kind of trending towards you're either big or you're fast, uh, it it seems like he had less and less of a role as a tweener in, in the league. So, you know, I think, like I said, I think he has to be used in a very specific way, and I think there's a few teams that can do that, but the the Titans just don't play the way that you know he needs to play. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the NFL is kind of going away a little bit from the big slot receivers, like the Deckers of the world, and they're just going to put Tyree Kill in the slot. Uh, you should, Jerry Judy got drafted in the first round. He's primarily a slot player, and he's incredibly fast and a really good route runner. So. It's just tough to justify uh, a cornerback like Logan Ryan on, on a big contract, uh, given the way the NFL is going. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, last sort of Titans topic. Will, you said you wanted to have a Harold Landry debate. L- let me preface this by saying, you know, talking about the conversation that you and I had the other night about how, at least I think, and I think you agreed with me, that because of how bad the Titans were for that like four or five year stretch, now Titans fans have been jaded by that and tend to think that, for example, an average player is a good player, and a good player is a really good player, and a really good player is an elite player. Just because that they like the comparative value that they see because of the two and three win seasons is like 
you know, A.J. Brown is Jerry Rice compared to Doriel Green Beckham and, you know, Eric Weems or whoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's a lot of, I think the fan base had to deal with kind of elevating bad talent to being okay. And then the guys, to me, what sticks out, and this is not slandered him because I enjoyed watching him play, but uh, Rapati Patoatua was a guy that, I remember him being 6'8", and, you know, he's a defensive end. He'd get, like, five or six sacks a year, but he was so big, and the plays he made looked so good that he was a guy that I was like, oh, man, like, I think he's, like, a real, like, a sleeper guy. And, you know, looking back on his career, I think he was a solid player, but I don't think he was nearly what I thought he was when I was kind of in the middle of that fog. And so, on that note, my opinion about Harold Landry is, number one, I think that some people have an overinflated view of him for that reason. But my view number two is that Harold Landry is has so far not been anything special. He has been maybe above average. Will, I think you were saying that an average starting edge pass rusher gets like six and a half sacks a year, right? Yeah, so something like that. If you're considered like an average pass rate, because uh, you were saying that like don't. I mean, this is not your exact words, but your kind of phrasing was you're only really a pass rusher if you can hit double digit sacks. You're only a good one. I mean, I think I think, and I think Harold Landry is in above average territory, like because of his athleticism, because he can bend around the edge. But look, at the end of the day, everyone likes to talk about, you know, who he's freakish around the edge, and he's got that bend. And it's like, dude had hundreds of pass rush reps last season, and one of his sacks, he just fell on Jacoby Brissett, so we'll take that one away. And he got home seven times. He's, I don't, if that's, the production does not equal what people are making him out to be. I, I'm very much, as you all know, a production-based guy. I mean, Matias, what do you think about this? I think he's I think he's good. I, I think he's close to very good, but I don't think we can say that he's like a number one edge right now. I think he's more of a number two and he probably needs a little help from the other guys on the defensive line and and his bookend uh, to probably reach his potential, which is fine. We took him in the second round. It's not like we wait we took a uh, a top ten pick on him, you know so. He's kind of what we expected him to be, and, and I still think there's definitely room to grow. Um, I think he, he remind this reminds me a little bit of, of D Ford. I don't think D Ford is, hmm. is is great. I think he's good. I think he's a good pass rusher, but he had career years because Tom Bahali was on the other side, then Justin Houston was on the other side, and then Chris Jones was in the middle, and he got traded and he got paid an absurd amount. And I wouldn't be surprised if Harold Landry has the same kind of career. Although I think I think he's just as good as D Ford, if not better than him. Well, and another mark of D Ford, Matthias, is extreme year-to-year inconsistency. One year it's eleven sacks, the next it's three. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what Harold Landry does this year because he's coming off a nine-sack season. Rookie year, he only had four and a half, but he, he was pretty good. He, he was actually a really good player, so we'll see what he does this year. Yeah, like, that's the thing, though. He's, he's not inconsistent. Like, last year he paid, played about half as many snaps, and he got half as many sacks, and he got he had five tackles for a loss, and this year he had 12 tackles for a loss. Like, yeah. he's, he's pretty consistent in what he does. The problem is that his usage and what he's being asked to do is more and more difficult every season. Like, last year he started off as a pure, like, pass rusher. Then, I mean, we saw him come in rotationally in the Eagles game that went to overtime, and he had that big strip sack, and, you know, it, it, that that's kind of the things he's been asked to do. And then this year he was more, you know, sometimes you're going to have to drop back into coverage. We're going to use you every down, so you're going to have to start defending the run better. And he does. He defends the run well. Like, he defends sideline to sideline on screen passes, which I like. It, the problem is is – you look at some guys who are in the league and they are very specifically third down DPR, like widen out, like play wide nine and you're just going to rush up field. And if, you know, if there's get lanes for the quarterback to run inside, that's fine. We don't care, but that's not how the Titans edge rushers are taught to rush. Like they're taught to rush and then read the blockers and deal with that. Once it comes, like they've got other responsibilities. So, 
that and they're also stunting and dropping into coverage a lot. So like, and you talked about you know he well he really like fell on Jacoby Brissett and stuff. That's true, but he also had a strip sack of Baker Mayfield that. Uh, I mean, the fumble counted in week one, so it was an officially it was officially a strip sack, which is how it has to go. But for whatever reason, he didn't get credit for that sack, and uh, or it, I think it should have been maybe a half sack because I think somebody else hit him first, maybe Cameron Wake. Um, but e- either way, like he should have gotten credit for that. So it all kind of ends up coming out in the wash, but having nine sacks in your second year is a, in your first year as a real starter is not a black mark on your career. I mean, it, yeah. that's, that's a pretty good start to a season so or start to a career. So I don't know. He's only 24 years old. It's not like he came in as an older, you know, player or anything. He's athletic. He's been productive whenever he's been put in. Like I said, the problem for me is he's just not being asked to do what he thrives doing. And, I believe that uh, maybe it was Mike Herndon. I should have pulled this up before we started this discussion, but he talked about the difference in pass rush productivity that he had with Cameron Wake and without it. And it was something like uh, he had more than half his sacks or something uh, when Cameron Wake was on the field and Cameron Wake's only on the field like – 200 a this it's a bad job by me because i should have pulled it up but the point the point of the tweet was and y'all should all go look it up was that he's much more effective when he's allowed to rush and pin his ears back opposite of another edge rusher like that's that's where he's always thrived and it's not always where the titans have used him so you know to me he's very clearly above average i mean i think he's I mean, he's one of the best two or three edge rushers to come out of the class uh, two years ago. Like, I mean, uh, come, sorry, to come out of that class or uh, the past season. I think he's probably fourth on if you include both of them. Yeah. I was gonna, I, I was gonna ask where you have him in terms of edges in the NFL because uh, I just looked this up. He was 18th in sacks among all edges last year, tied for 18th. Do you think he's a top eighteen pass rusher or edge at least in the in the NFL? Sure, sure. I mean, because I, I, I think, I think he's, he's above average, average right? right? Let's, let's say, say let's say every, every team has one good. good every, every team has, team has a top pass rusher, pass rusher. and, and of the thirty-two top pass rushers, he's probably eighteen. Okay. So if he's but, 18, what exactly are we hoping for? <laughs> because that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Like I guess I guess maybe we have different because I think you're. Luke, your point on all this is he's the number one edge. I don't. I don't think he makes. He, here's my thing. I don't think he makes any sort of discernible impact. He's just kind of there, and it's like, okay, well, they don't have to worry about edge pass rush because Harold Landry's there. But it's never going to be like, man, like we're going to knock these guys in the mouth because we got Harold Landry. It's just kind of like, well, he's there. We don't have to worry about that. Which is fine. Like, I'm not saying cut him or anything. He's valuable. I'm just saying he's not... Compare him to Daquan Jones. Like, do you think they both are at the same level at their position? No, I think Harold Landry is more valuable than Harold than Daquan Jones. Okay. Uh, Harold, Harold Landry is a more valuable edge than Daquan Jones is a one technique. Okay, compare him mm-hmm. to Adoree Jackson. Adoree Jackson, far more valuable. Really? You th- you think Adore yeah, Jackson yes. is better at corner than Harold Landry is at edge? Easily. Not like not see very very really. I, I don't know I about that, one. that at all. Like see that that that's they're where about the same in my opinion. They're solid starters, but they yeah. haven't taken the next step to elite. And then it, and then I would say that, that then I'm, that I'm I'm not one the guy to be Khalil Mack. I just like him to get ten sacks and maybe impact a game. I mean, what game last year did the Titans win and you're like, Harold Landry is a big reason why they got the job done today? It never happens. Hmm. Kansas City, he had a big sack that kind of put the uh, Chiefs in a position where I think they had to kick a field goal, which is what it ended yeah, but, up. Yeah, but didn't the Chiefs like lose three linemen leading into that play and like... <laughs> no, I, I don't yeah. He actually beat, which is funny. They uh, they had a backup guy in, and he beat him so bad that he turned his own like the the tackle turned his ankle. Oh, oh, okay, I remember that. Now. That was super funny. Um, Buffalo, I think he had a strip sack. 
it's 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 hard because it's like in any game there's several plays that people make. I mean, you know, you could you could talk about so many games that the Titans did well in last year that AJ Brown wasn't necessarily the reason why they won because there's a dozen other plays that happened, but that doesn't mean that I don't think AJ Brown is exceptional. Now, is AJ Brown better than Harold Landry? Yes, for sure. Like, I mean, he had a historic rookie season. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is I think there's too much emphasis put on you know, if you want wow moments, like like I said earlier, like he did have the forced fumble against Carson Wentz that allowed the Titans to score and make it a tie game and, you know, eventually beat the Eagles. So, like he's had wow moments. It's just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, th- I believe he led the Titans in tackles for loss last season. I know he led him in sacks. He's on he's on the field all the time. He's become pretty reliable and pretty durable. I mean, to me, there's not, I mean, what, seven, maybe six AFC pass rushers I would rather have or AFC edges. Like, I mean, I just don't know if there's that many at this point that you can rely on. So, I mean, I guess that's where I'm coming from. Like, I don't think that edges have to come out and have a Nick Bosa or like Joey Bosa. Like, they don't they don't have to start out their careers that way. They can be, you know, four and a half sacks, nine sacks, ten sacks, and kind of hover in that nine and ten sack range and be very good pieces on a defense. A a quick aside here. I just I just came across this and I thought it was interesting. Did you guys know that Logan Ryan had as many tackles for loss as Jarrell Casey last year? I did know that. <laughs> that is <laughs> very intriguing, man. Yeah. I mean, and Landry had 13 and a half, which is actually really good. Harold Landry is very good at football. Like, Will's Will sitting there thinking, well, it's a good thing Jarrell Casey's not, not our problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, man, maybe they could have traded Logan Ryan for a seventh round pick. Like, I mean... I don't know. Like they, that, they then so traded to the Chiefs for a sixth round, round pick. We we should have that discussion uh, at some point this this offseason where we talk about how whether we think that was the right decision now that we're so far removed from the emotion because I know the emotion leading up to the movie. The Casey thing? Yeah, we talked. I look. I, I I mean, I still think it's contingent on do they do something with the cap. I'm still kind of whether it's clowny or an extension. I'm kind of still waiting to see. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: eventually, the cap money is going to get used because it rolls over. So, I mean, I guess, I guess the point is like, are they going to use it to make themselves immediately better? Like, because I guess that's the question. But because if not, then you could have kept Casey on the team for another year. And look, I know we have our bones about Casey, but he's better than. Their fourth defensive lineman, or, their, or whoever's the third one now. I'd rather have him than Lorel Murchison. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, wow. We get, oh, so, sorry, Lorel. Sorry. <laughs> Watch him come out and have like eight sacks this season, and so, we're like, uh, <laughs> this I is got like it. The one, the one thing I do want to say is, I think Jeffrey Simmons is going to have an insane season. I mean, because I'm, I'm looking at his production in nine games last year, coming off of a torn ACL. It's I think he's going to have he's like a, a beast that season at least. This is this is coming out. This podcast is coming out on Wednesday morning, and he's speaking to the media on Wednesday at three thirty. So get to hear from him. I mean, I think I think I sent you all this in our DMs, but there's like a video of him. Uh, the, a breakdown. I've yet to watch did. that. I he, need to. Like he is just a like the way he looks is like you stuck a, like a video game character in the middle of a defense like. I don't know how much video games any of y'all play, but do y'all ever know when like you see the main character in a video game and he's just a little bit taller and like a little bit bigger than everybody else? Like he, yeah, like, yeah. it's like it's like he's been highlighted and been put in bold. Like that's what Simmons looks like. Like you watch him play and he moves way too fluid for somebody who weighs three hundred pounds. But then you see him like there's times where he'll grab a guy by the shoulder pads and you can see the guy's like knees and hips buckle backwards because of how powerful he is. And like it doesn't end up in a sack. But, like, you can tell that at that time, that offensive lineman has no control over where Simmons is going. It's just the only difference is that Simmons is playing on a knee that's 80%, and he can't fully commit to running that guy over like he did uh, Quentin Nelson. Like, I mean, he is a true freak. And, I mean, it would not surprise me if he he came out and he had more sacks than Harold Landry. And I just talked about how much I love Harold Landry. But when you get that guy on the inside, like – 
that sometimes there's times where you just get somebody who's bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else, and that guy becomes a dominant player. And that's exactly what it feels like is going to happen with Simmons. Yeah. He's he's too strong. He's too big. He's too quick to not be like a legitimate like pro bowler over the next couple of years. Exactly. Plus, he looks. He just looks. I, you could tell by his shoulder pads how they just look really small for whatever reason. Yeah, kind of like Michael Bennett when he when he would use when he the wears really like small the baby ones. knee pads. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah, and the kicker like shoulder pads. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what it looks like. Let's close out as we always do with stop the nonsense. This week, for me, I'm pulling a first. I am Stop the Nonsensing myself. Wow. And is this yeah, about Harold Landry? Yeah. No. <laughs> good, good one, but no. Um, this happened a few days ago, and I was so mad when this happened, and you'll get why in a minute when I explain it. But I, I, I was like fuming sitting in here, and I'm just like, I got to unload on myself this week so i i've been writing a series of articles i think i've done two at this point there's going to be one on thursday uh, uh, interviewing college position coaches um of titans rookies it's like I've, I've talked to a few uh i have a few to come but anyway the one in question is the one i did about darrington evans uh you know, when I was talking to Garrett Riley, Lincoln's brother, who coached Darrington in college, the thing that kind of stood out the most to me was this guy, Garrett Riley, thinks that Darrington Evans is going to be a good compliment to Derrick Henry. So that ended up being my headline. Why Garrett Riley thinks uh, Darrington Evans is going to be a good compliment to Derrick Henry. Matthias, about two or three weeks ago... You brought this up, and then the three of us were joking about it. These people need to understand that a compliment, as in like a nicety, is different than complementary, as in like two things that go well together. In that headline that is still on Twitter, if you go and look at it, and I cannot fix it because it's already been published... Derrick Henry will be a good compliment, as in, like, you look good today for Darrington Evans. You know, I'm disappointed, but it happens to the best of us. It's okay. Although, I have been fighting this fight for a really, really long time, and I'm losing <laughs> because I can't win this fight. It's impossible. Well, so well, many people. Get I, I noticed it a, f a few hours after I published the article, and. Like, usually if there's, like, a typo or something, I just go in and fix it. Like, if it's in the text of the article, I can easily fix it. But when it's in that Twitter headline that I have set, it cannot be changed because it has already been published everywhere on social media. And it just killed me when I saw that. Because, obviously, I know the difference. I just wasn't paying attention. And, like, no one told me about it. I caught it myself. And usually, like, you know, I use Grammarly, and, and and that usually will catch things like that. But, God, I was so mad. And still am. That, like, you know, if, you know, Appalachian State was thinking about sharing that article, and they see that the person that wrote it doesn't know how to spell, and they're like, who's this guy? We're never going to let him do an interview again. Well, oh, man. the good part is that you actually know the difference, because most people don't even know. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's what bothers me. Uh, I'll go ahead and do mine. It's pretty quick. So you you guys know what happened with Quentin Dunbar and DeAndre Baker. Uh, they they like faked an argument in in a backyard, and then they proceeded to rob people that they know. I don't know what happened. Very weird. Very weird stuff. And then I saw yesterday a quote from DeAndre Baker's attorney. Uh, on how the Giants cornerback has been scared straight by charges that are complete garbage. That's not the quote. The quote is, he's got an opportunity to become the next Ray Lewis and not the next Ray Rice. So, for those of you who don't know, Ray Lewis... Which is, which is such a weird thing to say. He probably killed the guy and probably got away with it. I can't say for sure because he got acquitted of the charges or he didn't. He wasn't, you know, indicted on the charges, but most people believe that he actually did it. Uh, so apparently it's 
better to become the next possible murderer than the next domestic violence abuser. So, oh, so weird. weird. Yeah, Why even say that? Why even say that if you're the attorney? <laughs> it's bizarre. It's bizarre. Yeah. I mean, at what point are you like, this is going to be where I nail them? And then you right. say that out loud and you're like, like whoops. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, like, because Ray Lewis was acquitted, ultimately. So, like, is, maybe that's what he was getting at. Like, he's going to be acquitted. He's not going to be the one found guilty. But, like, to me, it's still weird. I, I don't know. Like, why even, Why did you even have to make an analogy? Why couldn't you have just said, this is going to be resolved or something and leave it at that? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, why? I love analogies. But, like, if you're going to make one, like, it, it should be, like, a good one. Like, it should do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the point of analogies is to, is to explain your point in a concise way that's relatable. But if you say something like that, it's so weird. And it's there's no one-to-one comparisons anywhere that you're just like, all right. <laughs> it's just like, did this guy really murder somebody? And then it's like, it just it just sends your mind down the wrong path. Um. I don't, I don't know if mine can top that because Matisse's is funny and mine is more just pure vitriol at people saying dumb stuff. Um, but Bill Barnwell, uh, he's, he's very smart. He does a bunch of work. Uh, you know, he's, he's great. I, like, I do like his stuff most times. But sometimes, and this happens a lot, when you're asked to summarize entire teams' offseason moves and you really aren't focused on those teams, like you don't know those is teams. This, is by this, the by the way... I know Bill Barnwell is in person. Is this Bleacher Report? Is that who he writes for? Uh, this is on ESPN. I thought he wrote yeah, okay. for okay. ESPN. Yeah. For some yeah. reason. But, I was going yeah. to say, if it's Bleacher Report, it's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's not that. Um, so, but it was ESPN's, It's and I don't know, I think it came out today maybe, on Tuesday, which they're ranking the, you know, 32 teams and you know their off seasons and how they did and what they could have done differently and the titans got 25th out of you know 32 so i mean that's obviously bad but part of that is because they didn't do anything splashy in free agency they didn't you know do anything sexy with their draft picks like that that's just kind of what happens when you're a good team and you stay good and you kind of reload while you're going uh so here's my problem with all this is he goes down and he breaks down like the things the Titans did wrong and all that. And he talks about Tannehill's contract. And I, I understand why people are concerned about the contract. Like it, it's, it is a big commitment, but you need to make commitments to good players. And it, the, the scary number about it is the, the cap hit. And if Tannehill's not good, they're not going to go out and spend that money on a quarterback. They're going to draft a quarterback, and it'll be cheaper. So it'll it'll be a non-issue. But that's not even the point I want to talk about. So what he says is, quote, I'm not sure the Titans had much of a choice, but even limiting the Tannehill deal to two guaranteed seasons would have been a much better deal. With hindsight, it's fair to suggest that they might have been better off letting him hit the free market and going after somebody like Nick Foles or Andy Dalton at a much cheaper price. And... To say that is bad. bad. It, yeah, it's it's a bad take, but it also is a fundamental misunderstanding of what the Titans were trying to do through the whole offseason. I mean, like, I mean, it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how the National Football League works. I mean, that's what it really is. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so e- even even in his his breakdown of the Titans offseason, he talks about how they want to become a run first team. And, you know, uh, he, he doesn't he doesn't agree with that. I don't necessarily agree with it either. It's also not 100% true. Like, they just use their weapons effectively, and one of their best weapons happens to be Derrick Henry. But I, I, I digress from the point a little bit with that. Um, the problem is, is the Titans offseason has been built around the idea of keeping what worked together, enhancing it where you can, and replacing older veterans with speed. And that's that's been that's been the entire plan. That's what happened with Vic Beasley over Cameron Wake. It's what happened with Christian Fulton over Logan Ryan. It's what happened with getting cheaper but still addressing right tackle and then backing it up with a swing tackle and Dennis Kelly, who you know can fill in at left or right, and he can also just go on the field and be another like that. It's it's a very clear path that they think they can ride to success if they get a little bit luckier with health and if they get a little bit faster. And 
based on what we've seen most recently, they're not wrong. But to go in and just suggest that Nick Foles, who we saw be terrible last year, and then Andy Dalton, who we saw pilot a team to the first overall pick, like to just suggest that those guys could come in and fill in for Ryan Tannehill, again, doesn't it doesn't speak to any sort of knowledge about what the Titans are trying to be and what they're trying to establish. So, like, in in the most literal sense of the word, this is a nonsense take. And this is this is the main reason, like, I like to stop the nonsense is because we can talk about people who don't understand that they're not making sense with their comments when you look at them as a whole. And this is the stop the nonsense epitomized. So it was Andy Dalton and who else? Foles. Nick Foles. Oh, oh yeah, Foles. Yeah. Mm. That's not, uh, my thing is... Teddy Hill's good, guys. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, that's what I want to say. Like, what else does he have to do? What does he have to do? One more season of this. And 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 Paul Kuharski always champions this. It's like, so Tannehill was the best in the league at yards per attempt and passer rating last season. Okay, let's say he regresses, say, to ninth in the league. I think they'll still take that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Nick Foles isn't getting you ninth in yards per attempt in the league, let me tell you. He got beat up on Minshew. They went with Minshew over him. I don't understand. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it. I, I, like, there's only so much I can talk about it because, like, the farther you, like, the deeper you go in this, the more angry it'll make you. Because, again, I've already talked about what they were trying to build, but you have to understand that this offseason is not about going nine and seven again. They, they're not trying to sustain, sustain that success. They're trying to go from a team that was ahead by 10 points in the beginning of the AFC championship game to a team that finishes ahead at the end of the AFC championship game. Like they're they're not trying to win the AFC South. They're trying to use the established formula that really started working when Tannehill came in after week six and, you know, one made them go what seven and three and then two and one in the playoffs. So, and and it's also part of that is also Tannehill's the perfect quarterback for their scheme and like what they want to do. And, uh, and you know, someone's going to say, well, yeah, the scheme where all they do is run the ball. No dummy. The scheme where the entire offense is centered on quarterback movement and play action and plays from under center. Guess what you need for that? An athletic quarterback with really good footwork. You know what Ryan Tannehill is? An athletic quarterback with a big arm and really good footwork. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing. Like the fact that I know we are a run first offense, but you can't be a run first offense if your quarterback sucks. He actually has to make the plays. And Tannehill did that last year. And that's why he's our starting quarterback right now. Yeah, just it's just a very bad take. We'll rank him next week. That'll be fun. So, again, if you would like some no nonsense podcast gear, it is. Uh, spread shop, or excuse me, shop dot spread shop. Excuse me, let me start out this over. Shop dot spread shirt dot com slash no nonsense pod. Go check all that out. We'll be back next week. We're going to rank Ryan Tannehill versus the other quarterbacks in the NFL. Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke reminding you, everyone else in the sports world, and especially Bill Barnwell, to stop the nonsense. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.